There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of The Bip Show is brought to you by OpenTrader. OpenTrader is Australia's most competitive, self-directed retail trading platform for professional traders and those who want to invest like a pro from only $5 per trade. It provides chess-sponsored trading accounts and award-winning charts, combined with ongoing educational support and training. You'll get full autonomy on how you select stock and detailed info on performance across multiple metrics to help you make robust decisions. Open Trader. Invest like a pro from only $5 per trade. Hello, you're listening to The BIP Show. BIP is for business investing and policy. That's what we're here to talk about. I'm Paul Colgan, director at CT Group, coming to you from lockdown. So I'm here on the line with James Whelan, investment manager at VFS Group. How are you now, Paul? And joined, as always, uh, on the line from Amsterdam by Ken Bexler, managing director at Acumen Management. How are you, Ken? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Will Colgo. Looking forward to this one. We're recording this on Monday, July the 5th, 2021. Uh, look, we're finally going there. Um, it's a crypto show. Uh, our guest this week, <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's actually, you know, it's really funny with crypto. We've kind of like tiptoed around it a few times, but um, never really got fully stuck in. But we're doing it for real this time. Our guest this week is someone who really knows what he's talking about, somebody who has been in the space for years now. It's Sergei Sergienko. Uh, before the days of blockchain, he was a very successful uh, tech founder, but he has his own crypto startup, Chronobank, which I'm sure we'll talk about during the show. Uh, he's known as a quote-unquote millionaire trader. Uh, he has a big following on Clubhouse and other social media platforms. Uh, and I think significantly, he's really recently teamed up with uh, Australian I- investing titan Mark Carnegie to start an unlisted cryptocurrency fund for sophisticated investors. And having known Sergey on and off for a few years now, despite my deep skepticism uh, about cryptocurrencies and blockchain chain technology, uh, Sergey is a super smart guy, knows this space possibly better than anybody in Australia. Sergey, well, welcome to the Bip Show. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Uh, thanks, James, Ken. Uh, nice to see you or hear you all uh, from from lockdown in Sydney. Yeah, it's great and great great having you on the show. Thanks for making the time. Um, let's start with one of the big issues in crypto. Um, so you know, we're not going to uh, mess around here, but look, there's there's a lot of almost religious thinking by some of the crypto advocates. Um, explaining that things like, you know, it's finally going to free people from relying on governments and it's going to replace fiat money. Uh, what we're seeing now is obviously that governments can and do seize crypto assets. Um, and the application of an acceptance of even Bitcoin for payment is extremely limited. Um, and I think sometimes when you point this out to some people, you know, so the crypto advocates can seem a little unhinged, detached from reality even. Right. Like, so, you know, you know, even just explain to people, I can't pay for normal things in Bitcoin. And you get this kind of religious argument that, well, it's going to change the world. Do you think that that hurts crypto or do you think that this kind of 
big support base uh, helps it? Uh, well, in general, uh, I mean, anyone, anyone's got an uh, nowadays. Everyone's got an opinion on what crypto is, what uh, what can and can't be done with it. You know, so it's not like before where a bunch of geeks uh, got together and kind of uh, envisioned this reality. Uh, when you start looking into the total cap of crypto, total capitalization of crypto over uh, two trillion, right, or even what 1.4, 1 1.3, uh, as we stand here now. Uh, then you gotta start uh, and uh, you gotta stop and ask yourself. I mean, at those levels, you definitely should 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 really uh, you should really kind of make it professional, right? As opposed to as opposed to what it was before, just a bunch of guys stuffing around. Uh, with the, I think any narrative and any talk about crypto in any context uh, actually helps it, as far as the adoption is concerned, and as far as as far as the new way of thinking is concerned. And just bringing it in, into the, into the mainstream. Uh, having said that, you mentioned you mentioned that um, you can't pay with Bitcoin. Well, strictly speaking, if you well, if Ken from Amsterdam uh, comes to Australia when when hopefully the lockups are finished or lockdown lockdowns are finished, right? Uh, and he has a bunch of euro in his pocket, right? Yeah, he will not be able to pay with euro in Australia, right? Uh, so for that, he would actually need to go to exchange uh, if he uses it. Like we're talking about cash now. For that, he needs to go to exchange and actually change it into AUD, and then be able to pay for it. So same thing. Uh, like uh, when you say pay for Bitcoin, yeah, it was a nice narrative at the beginning to get people interested that oh look, we can actually send some value from here to there, right? As using Bitcoin. But now the way I see payments happening in Bitcoin is basically an instantaneous exchange. So, for example, if uh, if we go to Europe, right, or and uh, we use our Australian dollar card uh, to pay for something there, uh, we're actually paying in Europe, but uh, the bank is actually changing the Australian dollar into euro, and then and then doing the or the bank and processing companies rather do that, and the, the same thing the same thing will happen, and it's already happening in Bitcoin and in every other crypto. So in other words, you don't really need to distribute the terminals, distribute the crypto terminals and lay the rails again, because the existing payment rails can already be used and they are being used and that's the simplest thing to do. And that's what that's what's happening. So um, there's also there's also, though, this um, this issue. I'm just going to get my gripes off my chest uh, at the start <laughs> before we'll have we'll yeah, promise just, we'll just, have... just list them off, Paul, man. We're, we're ready. <laughs> Right. Criminals. This, okay. this, is the episode, this is the episode where Cogo plays the bad guy, right? It's usually me, just because right. I'm predisposed to being cynical. Okay. This is where Cogo gets everything off his chest. I'm not going to get a word in. I know. I know what you're going to say, Cogo. I just spit it out. Let's go. Criminals. Criminals. Right. So, but there it is. Um, so, look. Um, I read an interesting um, uh, piece last week, which was arguing that the growth of crypto has kind of enabled higher random demands or ransom demands not random demands ransom demands from cyber criminals right so you uh, hijack a network uh, you demand payment in crypto um and the idea being that it's non-traceable of course we'll come back to that because it's not always untraceable yeah so so there's there's that and then there's also the stuff that that crypto is well known and in fact part of its its early usage was being used to buy all sorts of nasty stuff on the dark web. And we're not just talking about, you know, half an ounce of uh, weed here. You know, we're talking like, you know, large amounts of drugs, people. guns, people, 
all of that kind of stuff. So even though you reference, you know, there's this big market cap, even though that there's this giant amount of capital allocated to it now, um, and people are thinking more seriously because of the use cases for it uh, and these well-known ways that it's used. Um, isn't that a bit of a real problem for the space and just means it's likely to get regulated and policed just like any other asset class and so that'll devalue some of its um, uh, some of its usage which in turn will um, hurt people who've put capital into it um, yeah my, I mean the the narrative that uh, crypto is this devil's uh, medium uh, to exchange for for drugs and uh, and guns and everything is actually not not the correct one, right? And I'll explain why I say this. It might have been back in 2014, 2013, right, at the very beginning that essentially most of the use was was in fact in the, in the, in the dark web. And even then, um, by volume, it was a bunch of gigs, uh, like, you know, spending Bitcoin on pizza a lot, right? And basically just mining it and uh, and experimenting with the transaction, uh, transacting in it. Uh, there is a report that was published by the company called Chain Analysis. Now, Chain Analysis is a company that, well, now all the governments use and uh, all the all the big crypto exchanges use to basically uh, to trace uh, provenance of any Bitcoin, right? So, in other words, uh, like that tool allows you to trace any Bitcoin from the moment it was mined to where it was used. So, just to give you an example of how it works, right? Uh, you would. Uh, Say, for example, you get paid one Bitcoin for whatever, right? You can actually put a, a, that Bitcoin address in the, in the chain analysis tool, and it will tell you what part of that Bitcoin was ever used uh, in anything, right? So, for example, if it's been to dark web and back, uh, or any of the of the dark web uh, or, mm-hmm. or uh, marketplaces, dark web marketplaces, then you'll be able to see it. If it's ever been used in ransom attacks that's been reported, you'll be able, you'll, you'll be able to see it. So you you would see something like, uh, you know, here's a, your Bitcoin, right? And say five uh, percent of it was was uh, used in illicit activity, right? So so like that's that's how it works. It's pretty cool. And the reason I mention that is because well, in that report, right, and in 2019 they said a criminal activity that uh, represented 2.1 percent of all cryptocurrency transaction by volume right so that was uh, uh, that was like uh, 21.4 billion worth of transfers right uh, and the funny thing is that in 2020 that number went down to 0.34 percent right so basically less than a percent or 34 bips uh, of cryptocurrencies actually used in them in the illicit activity uh, to put things into context right according to the United Nations it is estimated that between two and a half and five percent of the global GDP, right? That is uh, 1.6 to four trillion dollars is actually used for illicit activity. So both in a number of uh, in absolute and relative terms, it seems that uh, fiat is still the preferred medium, right? Now, like that's so. So essentially, the narrative the narrative of crypto being a criminal thing. And is, is 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 flawed. Now, as far as the pipeline, and you mentioned the pipeline uh, argument here, you're referring to colonial pipeline of the east coast of the U.S. just a month ago, right? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, and that 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 in fact was paid in crypto, right? It was like what 75, 75 bitcoins uh, of ransom was paid. And uh, the funny thing is, this actually provided a very cool precedent to show that if it was paid in crypto, it's it's very very uh, traceable, and you can get it back uh, by 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 some methods. Because later on, even so, even though seventy-five bitcoins was paid, right? Later on, FBI uh, claimed that they got back uh, sixty-three and a half bitcoins. Right? You say claims? Do you think that they? Do you think they actually did get it back? And and do you want to give us shed us a bit? Shed, I was fascinated about the fact that after the Colonial Pipeline got hacked, that the feds actually did then come out and say, "No, we we got it back." What do you think? Have you got any light to shed on that uh, with your yeah, own theories? Yeah, I've done. Yeah, I've done. Like I, I was thinking about it, right? And I discussed it with a, a couple of friends of mine that are that are qualified and to kind yeah. of to that kind of high level of discussion. And in a couple of in a couple of uh, words, right? Uh, here's what the FBI think, like wants everyone to think, and 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 then and then I'll explain what I think actually happened. So basically, right. they came out, right, and said, "Well, we got it back, right." So the natural thing to say would be, hold on, but everyone promised us uh, that Bitcoin transactions are irreversible, right? So how the hell can the FBI come and get it back, right? And the and the FBI obviously didn't say didn't say that how they got it or whether it's actually true that they did, right? With like this 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 uh, <laughs> this this fact that I mean it's it's possible for FBI to lie as well, right? But uh, <laughs> yeah. What uh, happened to JFK? Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so, Sergey, so, I have so, a question so, though. Does that mean that because it's traceable, say, um, so, say I buy some Bitcoin on a, on an exchange, uh, and it later yeah. turns out that that has been through um, some uh, nefarious transaction, is that going to cause problems for yeah. me? Uh, uh, Yes, uh, it, it depends because if you buy it on exchange, uh, most exchanges right now run the run the provenance of the Bitcoin uh, and most other cryptos. Uh, so, so in effect, the, the risk of you actually doing that is quite low. Um, but it would it would signal a problem for you. It would signal a problem for you when you come to dispose of it. So when you actually go, so for example, the situation. You'd buy it in an exchange that doesn't use chain analysis for, for its uh, or, or Crystal, right? Crystal is another company that uh, that, uh, that 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 does the same thing. Uh, you'd buy it there, right? That the exchange doesn't use that, right? So you hold it for a few years, right? And then you come and try to liquidate it, and then all of a sudden, two years later, that exchange and any other exchange start to use that software, and they're basically going to see that hold on, this guy is trying to liquidate some of the bitcoins that were used somewhere. Right, and uh, that would cause the problem for you. You would, you, you like, I mean, the exchange would uh, most definitely block your account, and you would have to uh, prove that you're not a donkey. Right? Which is and which is good because, it, which is good because it obviously tries to shepherd people into better run exchanges, right? Um, uh, like, that's right. Yeah, you'd hope. Um, let, let, and, let, and Congo also on top of that. I mean, there's existing. I mean. This isn't a, that, that that wouldn't be a new situation that's just come up with with crypto. That would be section he quotes section one ninety three b of the Crimes Act, and that's dealing with the proceeds of crime. So it's 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 not a new sort of situation. You still you still can't, I, you know, I, I I can't I can't buy a car with money that someone's handed me that I know has come from from selling a a, a dodgy TV that someone stole. 
It's 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 no different. It's just a different method. Mm. Mm. That's that, that's right. It's just a different person policing it, right? Where yeah. in the bank you got you you reporting it, and I mean, if we're talking about the context in Australia, if we're talking with context in, in Australia, right? Uh, you got the Austrian policing all those, right? And in fact, that's why CBA and Westpac got fined because they weren't reporting uh, the data back to Austria, right? Sure uh, one of the one of the other things, one of the main things. But but here, it's uh, basically the industry realizes that uh, that is, that at some stage this is going to pop up, right? Here, here, basically, the crypto industry realizes that at some stage someone is going to knock on their door and say, "What are, what the hell are you guys doing?" Right? And in in uh, in anticipation of that, the, the industry actually taking a proactive step to try to stem out uh, the, the problems before they arise, and which is Great thing. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Do you think? And before Koga, before you jump into the next one, just just a quick. Do you think? And this is something that I've always said on record and and off record as well that that the the crypto industry wasn't quick enough, and probably one of the feet that they put wrong was not to rush towards regulation quick enough. That 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 that, that they should have gone and said, okay, maybe we want to be a financial product, or we want to be regulated in our own special way as opposed to being something on the side that gets treated differently and and it, and then you see what's happened now with how yeah. easily it's 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 been shut down from different avenues like what's happening in England and, and and in various parts of of the US and and also sort of see what's happening in China China's a different different case but do you think yeah. that do you think maybe they should have rushed towards regulation but isn't sorry just just before Sergey answers just a quick one but isn't that contradictory to one of the original unique selling points of crypto the fact that it was to be you know, de- devoid of regulation, as it were. Like it was meant to be not so much unregulated, but decentralized and away from the traditional sphere of what we recognise. Uh, yeah, the regulatory framework for any sort well, of transactional go. means. There you go, so, Sergey. Do you think that do you think they could have been able to to, to fill both of those requirements? They uh, they, they they could have, but but they, I don't think they should have. And uh, I will explain why. And, and and I agree with Ken there. Because back oh, then, so. yeah, and, and <laughs> because back then, right before before the before crypto started to be on everyone everyone's minds, right, you needed a narrative, right, uh, that 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 uh, it's decentralized and uh, it's all great, right, and it, it like truth be told, it still is. So, for example, we discussed exchanges and they're going to ask you for KYC. However, you are still able to go, right. Go on a, on a, like local bitcoins. Well, local bitcoins is a bad example. But go into say into Tor, right, or or dark web, and exchange it. And there will be plenty of people wanting to exchange it for you into cash and vice versa. And that way, you're totally off the grid. And those guys will definitely not check the provenance of your bitcoins. You know. So so to tell you the truth, to tell you the truth, it's like yeah, they should have. But then again, like. Judging by judging by anything that's ever done anywhere, right? The, when dealing with government, it's probably initiative. Initiative is actually a mother of all fuck ups. Uh, together, together with like, you know, so 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 you probably don't want to show that you're that great guy that wants to bend over for for government, right? Because the government definitely will not appreciate it. So, <laughs> you know, like to tell you the truth, it's like you like. It's in anticipation of the governments uh, coming together, right, and and uh, smashing everyone, and in anticipation of the big money coming in, right, and uh, yeah, pension funds were looking at you, right, and endowment funds and everything. Uh, in anticipation of that, the crypto industry has just basically said, okay, well, now we're kind of ready to 
to play around with the institutional money, and that's what's happening. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's just sort of natural evolution. Uh, so I'll go back over to you. Look, as that has been happening, right? So at the same time that uh, crypto started to come of age in some ways, um, you also had more like complete nonsense, in my view, entering the um, entering the space, right? So the antics of people like Elon Musk, right, who are uh, you've got on the one hand drawing attention to crypto and then other little tiny altcoins like Doge and uh, Shina Ibu, Ibu, right? But then uh, at, on the other hand, being accused of like blatant market manipulation, right? So doesn't that just, isn't it just begging to be regulated? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, even, even uh, like the thing is, I've got a theory about that, right? And uh, to tell the truth, I think Elon basically uses uh, Doge and uh, Shiba Inu coin, right, and uh, Baby Doge most recently, <laughs> right, as 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 a proxy for market manipulation. But uh, because you can't really start uh, writing, uh, you can't really start writing wallet addresses in the court documents because it's a goddamn nightmare, right? Um, it's 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 very hard to prove anything, right? It's very hard to prove anything. It's very hard to to actually start, it, it's very hard to to accuse and prosecute after. And uh, to tell you the truth, he just he's just stuffing around, right, and uses uses uh, the crazy crazy tweets as a market manipulation. And the thing is, you gotta say, you gotta say, like, uh, ask yourself. And um, it's it really saddens me as a, as a crypto uh, as a crypto guy, right? That and I saw it, I saw it like you know five years away, five five years back. That's a, that's what's going to happen, right? Where. Uh, the narrative, the narrative that crypto is a decentralization, and here we are, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna build a new financial system and everything. Uh, it, at the end of the day, it all came down to essentially a play on stable coins, right, and a play on uh, on the same thing. It's just basically people's greed, right, and everyone doesn't really give a damn about technology or anything, and they just stuff around for the sake of it and make the the ten x. Essentially, 10x, 100x, uh, 10,000x. Uh, so at the end of the day, it became it became essentially a, a casino of sorts, and mm. that and that tells us, right? And that tells us that uh, well, for all the all, for, for all the things that are said that crypto is ready for white like for institutional adoption and everything, well, you know, you have one guy able to manipulate the market like you know way over five or even even thirty percent, right? That poses a definite problem, right? When you got some serious money involved, and you know, Elon's tweet with, uh, like, you know, that that uh, anagram or that that puzzle that he put in his Twitter, right? The the, the project was Come Rocket, right? Yeah. So there was just um, have you seen that? So yeah. it wasn't actually named, right? But it was it wasn't actually named. It was actually like you know, emoji emoji of of uh, of kind of water water splashing, right? And then <laughs> and the, the rocket, rocket next, yeah. to it, right? And people. And people worked out of what it was, right? <laughs> so, so when you got that, when you got that, and you got one person affecting the markets that much, I mean, that be, it begins to be a problem. Having said that, though, uh, I mean, we had another person in the U.S. that was affecting markets and uh, stuffing around with markets as much as Elon, right? And he was doing it with traditional markets, and his name was uh, Mr. Donald Trump. Right. Yeah. So, so to tell the truth, I mean, like, I think it's just human nature. Human nature to basically, like, you know, uh, play around like this, right? And and trying to catch and trying to catch Elon's tweets. 
And the funny thing, I was I was actually reading an article just this morning, right, where like you don't have to do anything else in crypto, but to monitor basically Elon's tweets. And as soon as it comes out, if it relates to if it relates to anything that's already out there, out of what uh, ten thousand cryptocurrencies that's already there, right? We've got almost eleven thousand cryptocurrencies that's already there. Then you buy for the whole for the whole amount of your deposit, and if it's not then you create it you basically issue a token uh, on say binance chain or ethereum uh and if you're quick enough you'll be able to make absolute killing right <laughs> so, so a bit like so, all the a bit like all the algos and the hedge funds had during this four years of uh, donald trump being the president that's right and and the thing is and that and people actually worked out that uh, the time uh, that it takes so for example he says that you know like let's call like see like i would use like a word like shitcoin but it's already there right i don't know let's call it Let's call it. Um, I'm looking at a stamp right now. Carpet. Call it stamp coin. Yeah, I've got carpet here, right? The, okay. Yeah, so let's call it carpet coin, right? Elon Musk tweets of carpet coin, and uh, people have done studies on it, right? When nine minutes later, if carpet coin is not in there, right, uh, it will be in there, right? It will be uh, there will be a token each, uh, named carpet coin, and the, the carpet coin will rally. It's absolutely freaking crazy. Yeah, so it's, it's actually it actually makes more sense than a lot of other financial ideas that have been put in front of me. Just quietly, I, I, I just I've only got the one thing to say on Elon Musk. Right, like I, I I can't be asked getting into the whole good, bad, indifferent what I think of him, whatever. But honestly, in terms of be it him or Donald Trump, as Sergey mentioned as a, as another example, it comes down to nothing more complex than the answer to the question: Why does a dog lick its balls? Because <laughs> it can. That's it. <laughs> that's that. That's right. You know. So, and this is this is the crazy part about it, right? Because, uh, like, effectively, he can do it. He can go and tilt, like, or he can go, like, you know, and he's the, like, like, I don't know if he smokes weed or anything, right? For whatever reason, he just shoots out a tweet, and uh, you know, half of the world shakes. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's a great that he got to that. So it, which raises all sorts of questions for it as an asset class, right? And I think I'm done. I've got, I've got the my general grumbles about it off my chest. Um, uh, but it, you know, obviously there are uh, pension funds, there are uh, super funds, and there are certainly lots and lots of wealthy individual investors, family offices, etc., thinking about this, about how they fit this into their portfolio right so you're setting up this fund with uh, mark carnegie um yep. uh, and i think that's been a really interesting development um mark obviously very smart guy incredible track record um and uh, teaming up with you um i think obviously presents a very interesting uh, proposition so look tell me about mm-hmm. the fund given the the volatility that we have that we see in in crypto, how are you structuring the fund? Is it long short approach, long only? How does it work? Yep. So we, in fact, in fact, we've got two funds now, right? Over the weekend, we launched another one. So in short, in short, the first one has up to you know 70 percent exposure to to direct crypto. So things like Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, Chainlink, BNB, all of this top uh, top tier crypto. And uh, the rest uh, is is mostly in uh, in stable strategies like things like yield farming and staking, yeah. and uh, there's a small allocation towards the uh, towards the towards the project like uh, the, the, that hopefully will catch when Elon Musk tweets, right? 
So basically, like total shit coins that may rally if even touches them. <laughs> so so that's that's pretty much it. And I mean, the the the, the theory here is uh, we protect the downside, right? And uh, just to give you a, con- a bit of a, a bit of uh, an example, right? So we know that crypto markets have fallen. Uh, what close to close to fifty percent, right? I think it was fifty three percent from the maximum in April, right? And uh, the fund actually only fallen seventeen, right? So we protect a lot of downside and we pick up a lot of upside, and so we aim to pick up eighty percent of the upside on Bitcoin, right? Mm. So that's one of them, and we realize that as part of that stable strategy, the one I mentioned with the yield, with the yield farming and staking, we actually set up a market neutral fund, and I think that is where, where the real interest of the institutions and uh, family offices and everyone that you mentioned lies. Basically, in crypto land at the moment, you can get you know, returns on US dollar denominated coins, right? You can get them in excess of 10, 15%. Um, yeah. Like sometimes when the market, when there's a lot of action in the market, that day you'll see uh, that percent go up to 40, 45. It's absolutely staggering. Uh, yeah, that even- is... Yeah. No, you, you go. I was just, just going to say, even even half that in today's quest, the family offices and instos and everyone has for you know for yield, I and mean, even half yeah. that is still if you've got stability, then you know that's that's perfect, mate. That's right, and 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 that's what we found. Marketing the first fund, we found that a lot of people actually uh, don't want to be exposed to to don't want to be exposed to Bitcoin direct, right? Uh, but they actually want to save what they have, right? And uh, and that's 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 quite amazing, and that's that's the, our second fund. We already got uh, a few million, in it, and uh, that's that's performing well. I mean, like, see, there's no there's no miracles in this world, right? And uh, there is there are risks involved, right? And in this particular one, in the market neutral fund, and there are obviously protocol risks. So in other words, whatever you're staking or smart contract that you use may be hacked, right? Or may be drained of the of the of the funds, or something else might happen. Uh, but I mean, we do our research to make sure that doesn't happen. But like, you know, it's, anything is possible. And another thing, and another thing, and I want to touch on that, right? Is basically uh, unpegging, right? So I mentioned U.S. denominated. I mentioned U.S. denominated. Uh, uh, sorry, I mentioned the uh, U.S. dollar denominated token, right? Yeah. So that 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 is what we refer to as stable coins. And there are a few of those, right? So most notable one and the biggest one is. USDT yeah. or Tether, as it's known. Yeah. So for those for those listeners that don't know what it is, basically, the Tether claims that they have one dollar in the bank for every one token that they issue, and by definition, basically, that means that um, that um, that the token will always equal to one dollar, right? And that's that 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 makes it stable. However, Tether in particular has been has been um, very Say not forthcoming as far as the reserves, <laughs> as far as the reserves they actually hold, right? And there was a fa- funny uh, and famous, uh, famous uh, eventuality where where you got where like you know tether has exploded, right? So they literally print like something like a billion dollars of tether a week, right? And uh, it's just it's just crazy. It has more volume than Bitcoin daily. And uh, then one day somebody woke up and said, "Hold up." They claim that they have all these deposits in Panama, right? But here we've got total uh, amount of money in Panama, and it's nowhere near what Tether claim is their money, right? So it's like it was something in the region of like you know Tether was claiming at the time that they had 
40 billion dollars of reserves right and the total total amount of money in panama was like six right like or something, <laughs> something like that, right? it was it was just or 15 or something i can't remember but i mean it was by a factor of more than two you know so, so and you go whoa what happened there and the thing is and tether if you look at it right and they, they go and 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 like they go on basically like they wiggle they wiggle they way out of answers right they kind of lie about about what's happening right they keep changing their terms and conditions and everything and uh, so basically like you can see that there is an eventuality where they all of a sudden right it, it's exposed that tether is a scam right and there isn't uh, that much money behind it right which is no problem per se right but uh, if the trust if the, like if, if people start giving them whether tether is backed or not then I think the whole crypto is going to have a severe, severe, um, you know, um, uh, tits up moment. Yeah. Right? I was, so, like, I was just going just to ask, Sergey, if I can jump in. So in terms of the second fund, the market neutral fund, I mean, to me, because I know very little about crypto, but just the brief description you gave, it sounds essentially like a like an arbitrage fund, right? You're looking to, to arb uh, yield plays and carries and whatever else. So... To me, in those instances, be it, it doesn't matter what the underlying asset is, but in an ARB fund, fund rather, uh, the biggest, uh, let's call it, not even risks, but the big, biggest mitigating factors that need to be covered off are, in my mind, liquidity and volatility. Now, given, given now, then we plug in the underlying nature of, of the asset class that we're talking about or, or the you know, asset that we're investing in, how, how does the market neutral fund account for well, exactly that, the liquidity and, and the, the volatility that could be in play here. Yeah, the, the, the thing, it's not, it's, not quite, it's not quite as you described it, right? Okay. So, so essentially, essentially, like, there, is, there are concepts like yield farming or staking, mm-hmm. right? So, so, for example, right, I'll, I'll go through staking, right? Staking is effectively where, where you would, let's call it, Lend where you would lend the the, the the project money any any project right there are big projects out there and the project in return will pay will pay you interest right and yeah. uh, together with the interest the project will pay you their token right so like I don't know one of the good ones is say belt right as in as in the belt that uh, keeps your pants from falling yeah. down right so so and the, the thing is here like because it's all transparent and because it's all locked up and uh, smart contracts, right? So, as in on a Ethereum chain, and you can see that the project actually, like, like you know, doesn't spend the money that 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 uh, you kind of like does, doesn't spend the money, and they're making if they they and they're making their money on um, on basically transaction fees and uh, the token play where they burn the tokens that they issue, etc. You know, and and they 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 use a lot of and they and they make a lot of in transaction fees. You you can see that the the risk of non-payment is minimal because at any any time you can pull it out, right? So, 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 as, and as far as liquidity is concerned, I'll give you a number, right? There is there is a, uh, there is a project called Ave, yeah, double uh, A V E, right? Ave, and that project I was actually and the reason I mentioned this is because I just literally looked at uh, how much how much money they have locked up in these sort of scenarios, and that project has. Uh, 17 billion dollars as of right now that project has 17 billion dollars as of right now uh, of total value locked 
So as opposed to funds, funds under management, FUM, uh, mm-hmm. in crypto, we use total value locked as a figure, right, TVL. So that project has 17 million. And this project is just one of, you know, hundreds, right? So, what? and you got, you, got, you got crazy amounts of liquidity in there. In fact, yeah. I would go to, to say that, you know, as far as like, like USDT and the stable coins are very liquid. To, to, to give you another little figure, right? The volume of uh, uh, Tether, right? Today's volume of Tether is 43, 43 billion, right? Uh, the next one down is USDC, and the volume of that is one and a half, right? So we're already looking at, uh, looking at uh, close to 45, right? And if you could sum them all up, right? I've actually seen, I, I've seen a few guys do it, right? It's close to 50, 50 to 60 billion daily. So, and the, as far as the value locked up, uh, it's 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 staggering numbers. We're talking so 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 like as far like there are not that many funds on this planet that they would actually shake that if they start buying stable coins. Yeah, you know? I, uh, I'm, I'm I'm just going to jump in. I might have missed it, but what, what what were they doing with the project money? What's the project for? What's the like? I I, I feel like I missed a step on this one. Uh, so basically, like it's it essentially, essentially, it's uh, bigger is better as always, right? So for like, I'm, I'm really simplifying it so we don't lose any listeners here, right? Oh but, yeah, no. Anyone who's still on board, you know, it's uh, send me send me a postcard. Trust me, we, we haven't lost a single listener on this one, mate. This is very, very, very interesting. All right, all right. Uh, so what if we if we go staking, right? And I'll give you an example of say Ethereum 2.0. If you've heard mm-hmm. of Ethereum. All right. Mm-hmm. So what what it, what it does basically it says okay uh, why don't you lock up your Ethereum in return for to get to get rewards uh, back in Ethereum right so in other words you 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 lock up you lock up uh, uh, in, in in other words you lock up I don't know call it hundred death and yeah. for next for next uh, and, and you'd get paid nine percent or I think it's like eight percent a year based on that yeah. right a little bit like lending out my stock for someone to potentially short. Uh, it is, but with this, with this sort of, with this sort of play, right? It's not, it's not, it's not really a, a land. It's basically taking Ethereum out of circulation, right? And because of that, the price of Ethereum, what's left, because you can't, you can't unlock it for the next couple of years, right? So, it's, ah, okay. So, so because of that, the price of the rest of Ethereum goes up, and that basically, and that is what pays the, those uh, interest payments. You see, gotcha. so, so, and there are like it's not it's not like the project gets the money and they stuff around with it, right? It's it's a lot of a lot of it. It's um, it's it's a novel novelty play, right? So there are projects, for example, that that uh, like the belt I mentioned, right? So they they exchange, for example, they they have an like they have a decentralized exchange as part of them, right? And they make say thirty bips on exchange of anything, right? Yep, uh, and. Uh, that's the, the like, and part of that they basically pay in in interest. So in fact, it's it's a glorified way to pay the transaction fees. But it's, then, it, isn't that isn't that though? Does, doesn't that doesn't that entirely rely on capital appreciation over the over the next few it years? Does. It does, and that's like that's that's what I was going to say next. Uh, because of because that because of. Uh, uh, because transaction fees, transaction fees are all great, but they're just not as exciting, right? Um, you actually, you actually got the, the token place where you got, for example, you got uh, to start with. You issue a million tokens, right? And then you say, okay, well, every month we're gonna use say 50% of whatever we, we make here, 
to 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 buy the token back and then burn the token. So take the token uh, out of that million in circulation, right. and effectively you reduce the supply of the token, right? And uh, and uh, therefore the token appreciates. And strictly speaking, it it, it, it it can be like in the long in the long run the token will appreciate, and that's what everyone's going for. And there are like this is just this is just a couple of really simplified examples. Yeah. But there are more creative things. There are things like you can interact with smart contract to basically like you know lend to protocols. So you, st- you stick in say hundred grand worth of stable coin, and you will be able to borrow and you are able to borrow, borrow fifty grand, right? For which you can then you know buy Bitcoin, right? And uh, put it in like and and then and then and then just keep going, right? And then like use like ride, ride the Bitcoin wave up or something, you know what I mean? So there are risks of liquidation, of course, in these kind of scenarios, if Bitcoin, uh, like depending on loan to value ratio that you picked. But yeah, just lots of lots of uh, kind of uh, decentralized applications trying to recreate the traditional financial instruments. So, so it's, it's, it's fascinating. So let, let me just um, point out one thing. This show is sponsored by OpenTrader for professional traders and those who want to invest like a pro from only $5 per trade. So Sergey, yeah, this is fascinating. So I have another question then. So say you do um, a, um, you issue tokens for a project, right? And you lock away some of that value. And yep. uh, the owner can't uh, liquidate it for, say, three years. Um, don't yep. you have a problem then in the time horizon uh, when when it gets to the point where all of those tokens from the time of the project raising, if you like, um, yep. become, uh, they all mature um, and you get this flood of available tokens that people maybe want to liquidate all at the same time. Doesn't, doesn't it raise that problem? Or are uh, they... it does. No, no, by all means, it does. Like, there are lots of lots of ways to think about economies of the token. There's like, there's a whole new discipline called tokenomics uh, in crypto, right? And the, the experts in that are quite valuable across the board. Now, uh, it does raise a problem, but then you basically like it's 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 similar issue where you got like you know vested shares on the IPO, right? Uh, however, with crypto, you can solve it different ways, different, different in, in different in different ways. Yeah, you would have that problem, but uh, like you, uh, like I think a lot of projects are actually betting on by the time they get there, uh, they would be relevant enough to actually to actually be able to like you know to to be interesting to the new uh, investors that will come in, so to speak. Yeah. And that's what's one of the things. The other thing is you don't release it all at once. So nowadays, for example, if you participate in the initial offerings of crypto projects, right, uh, you would have you would have uh, different vesting periods for different uh, investors, right, and uh, that's that that partially solves the problem as well. Right, different different tiers of investors or whatever. Yeah, so that's right. Okay, so like a Series A, Series B, yeah, those kind of things. Okay, hmm. um, one more question about the fund uh, or about the the yeah. um, the the first fund that you set up. Um, uh, and maybe the mutual one is the same as well. Do you have traders uh, actively trading every day, or how's it set up? Uh, at the at the at the moment, at the moment, we don't have traders actively trading every day, and the reason is uh, that currently the whole market is heavily manipulated, and we discussed it, uh, and we discussed it with uh, in relation well uh, with Elon Musk, right? Well, we didn't discuss it with Elon Musk, but we discussed that about Elon Musk, and. Uh, it's very it's very hard to to basically do intraday on crypto with the current instruments 
right? It, because because it's 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 so crazy. The whole thing is just you just volatile through the roof. You just never know that when Elon is going to wake up and say that oh hold on, Tesla has sold all of its bitcoins and then Bitcoin <laughs> goes uh, to the floor. You know? Yeah. So I, I just I just have sorry I I have just one question and then and then just to move on. Um, my my question is this: like I've been in markets I don't know about twenty five odd years, and in fact coming up to that anniversary any yep. day now. And predominantly in that time, I've always been um, in FX. I mean, I've done macro and whatever else and rates, but it's predominantly been in FX. And pretty much since day one uh, in the market and, and to this day, uh, I've been told continuously that FX isn't really an asset class, right? So, like, I mean, you can you can invest yeah. in equities, you can invest in debt, in, in, in all manner of things, right? But FX yeah. is considered by and large generally – a byproduct rather than a direct asset class into which that's why you know fx funds as such or fx dedicated funds are few and far between and they market themselves more as a as a macro fund more than anything else i suppose my question is how how does crypto then regard itself or how can it market itself or how can it make the world understand that it is an asset class and what makes it an asset class because i struggle like I, as i said i've been in fx 25 years i still Day to day, depending what day of the week, hour of the day it is, I, I fall on either side of the fence. Is it or is it not an asset class? So, you know, where do you see that yeah. with regard to crypto? Yeah, to tell you, to tell you the truth, to tell you the truth, I think, I think it just uh, it, it will, it will. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to say that, but I think crypto, crypto doesn't like crypto will wipe its own ass in a sense, and and what it means is I think it's mature enough to actually show. To whoever wants to listen or research that it is in fact in, like a whole different asset class and the problem is though uh, that uh, although it's an it's a it's an it's a it's an asset class in its own it's an, in its own right and a lot of crypto geeks would like to believe that it's uncorrelated to the traditional markets <laughs> i still think it, there is there is a definite definite positive correlation uh, between traditional markets and and the crypto as an asset class like effectively crypto crypto like it, it doesn't need uh, like a full acceptance and i'll explain why because in the era of you know zero percent interest rates on any sort of money yeah. right yeah. like you have no option but to be exposed to something like crypto and yeah. i'm not saying that crypto is like you know is a godsend to to for everything right and uh, being in crypto for that long i realized that you know just when you think that you know it's all been kind of invented and like you know crypto is all that we need right and this particular project is awesome and everything is great right and then something else comes along and it just like mathematically even it makes sense you know and here you got the, you got the added benefit that whoever was and is coming into crypto right uh they're by definition a geek right like if we're talking about heavy into crypto right and instead of like you know bankers uh, coming into banking back like 20 years ago, right? And 30 years ago when everyone was like, you know, when everyone wanted to be a banker and everything, here you've got geeks that, that are very, very switched on and like very good at math and uh, and everything, you know? And this is this is actually like, like an, that's part of the reason why it, 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 it evolves. And uh, having said that, you gotta understand that, uh, and we, like in context of Elon Musk as well, and this is, uh, and in the context of uh, Tether that I mentioned earlier, when you think a deep, like the really top level into crypto, right? What you gotta realize that crypto, uh, essentially, it's a marketing play. 
You know what mm. I mean? Like, like mm. when you like when I put a hand on my chest, right, and uh, ask myself, I mean, what the hell are we doing here? Essentially, you like it's a very clever marketing play that evolved into this, right? Because and and it's it's evolved out of the need for basically for the new guys to come and play in the financial markets after the 2008 financial crisis. Yeah, you know, and time. So, yeah, and time. So, sorry, it's very sorry. Yeah, I'll just uh, just this final thought. The timing of crypto appearance on the scene is very very interesting. Right, yeah. and tell the truth. Basically, you come out, you got anonymous guys starting all this, or blah blah blah, you know, and uh, it just like and, and the projects that do well are not necessarily the the ones that are like you know very very useful for anything. They're yeah. just the ones with the uh, with the with the most creative marketing. Yeah. So so basically, if if necessity is the mother of invention. Then the hunt for yield is the is the mother of new asset classes. I mean that, that you know that, that's basically what we're looking at. That's right. It, it seems it seems so. The, the market will, will do its thing. You but, know the, yeah. the money will chase but chase apparent great. Help me rec reconcile this then, Sergey. If if a lot of them are just marketing uh, and ways for projects for people to get into financial markets, like there's no real. Things like, I mean, with a debt, you've got a bond. With commodities, you've got actual stuff that's been dug out of the ground uh, or yep. stuff that's been grown. Um, uh, you know, with cash, you've got cash. <laughs> um, uh, uh, you know, and you've got stocks, you know. So, um, but what are you buying? If, you know, if you're, are you you're buying buy marketing? Yeah. You're buying, you're buying uh, an asset. Right. If we're talking about Bitcoin, and we need to kind of touch on that, uh, well, you buy an asset that, for the first time in human existence, cannot be taken away from you physically. I, even though I said it's a marketing play, right? Uh, out of that comes great technology. So, for the first time in human history, you can have a like you know a crypto wallet that is secured by twelve words that anyone can commit to memory. And as far as anyone knows, you don't have that. You don't have uh, uh, that value. Uh, effectively, like you're buying an access to a wallet, right? So, like you know, even though we say, even though we say, like you know, transfer, transfer, like we transfer a crypto, etc. And I mean, it, it really looks like you do, right? Uh, effectively, like, you, like you access to the wallet is 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 uh, your crypto. And uh, here, it needs to be understood that anything currently, and you mentioned shares, you mentioned property, you mentioned uh, any other asset class, right? It can, it can, and be physically like you know it can be taken away from you at the drop of a hat or like you know we mentioned also that you know money laundering accusations or anything anyone can be accused of money laundering right and then and then in the, the state of new south Wales and australia in particular it's very easy to say that well you had intent to screw the commonwealth that's why we accuse you of money laundering and you, you lose everything basically with crypto it's not like that and like you know we said we we touched on the uh, we touched on the pipeline the argument that the FBI got to it, right? Yeah. We didn't end up finishing the argument where we didn't end up finishing the explanation. Uh, what happened there? But uh, it depends essentially, like uh, unless unless there is a full force of FBI looking for you and tracing your transactions, uh, it's pretty much untraceable. So it depends who basically trick crypto is is uh, is um, uh, is untraceable unless. Uh, unless uh, whoever is doing the tracing is a lot better than the crypto geeks. But the ATO, the ATO, the ATO has said uh, repeatedly that uh, 
it doesn't believe that crypto is untraceable and that it thinks it's going to be able to come after people for capital gains. Um, Mike, I, I, like, I agree with them, right? It depends. It depends. Because the thing is, a lot like with crypto, a lot of the times they say it's anonymous. It's hardly anonymous by definition because you got it's a, it's, a, it's a public ledger. You know what I mean? It's a total uh, opposite of, of anonymous, right? So, you, so you've got every transaction at any time. You actually can uh, trace it and see it. However, where it becomes anonymous is uh, either a fiat gate, uh, a fiat on ramp or off ramp, where you change it into create fiat, mm. or uh, when you identify your wallet. So the wallet is like a, a collection for those for those that haven't seen a crypto wallet. What it looks like, right? It's a, it's a twenty three or twenty three. I think it's twenty three to thirty five characters of just letters and uh, uh, letters and numbers jumbled up together, right? So it, that is where you've got its anonymity uh, argument, right? Where you say, well, you've got these arbitrary values or arbitrary wallet. There's no way you can you know whose it is, right? Yeah. And ATO can say whatever they want, right? But to tell the truth, like, uh, to tell the truth, like, yeah, they they are right. They're right about it. Uh, like, I would love to see how they would tie. They would start tying wallets uh, up to the people, uh, especially in especially in DeFi, right? But uh, as far as like you know, if you bought it on any Australian exchange, then uh, yeah, you, you can bet your, you you can bet that uh, ATO knows about you and knows uh, how many trades you've done. Um, DeFi is actually something I wanted to ask about. It's been the big topic of conversation in crypto uh, um, and blockchain circles for um, the last year or so. Um, yeah. Can you just give us the high level explanation of why there's so much optimism around thinking about? crypto uh, uh, in DeFi terms and uh, decentralized finance yeah. terms um, and yeah, what so, it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, basically we touched on it already when I was explaining that you essentially stake, uh, stake, uh, stake your coins and uh, you do liquidity mining, right? So staking we kind of explained, right? So basically you uh, lock up the coins and then the project will reward you for, 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 for that um, with a token. Uh, like, you know, a lot of the times, like, if you're talking about yield farming, what happens is this. If you talk about uh, the, any exchange, right, so, you know, think of ASX, right, uh, the traditional way of exchanging things is you see the order book, right? On one side, you see buy or people that want to buy an asset for whatever price. On the other side, you see people that want to sell an asset for that same asset for whatever price, right? And when when people jump jump the gap between or, or the spread gap, right? They basically the orders are executed. Uh, what they've done with DeFi, they they uh, they reimagined they reimagined the way that people trade assets, right? And they said, well, instead of the order book, why don't we uh, put uh, X amount of dollars of the asset on one side and X amount of dollars in asset of the other asset on the other side, right? So you have this pool of assets. For sake of explanation, let's say it's a Bitcoin on one side on the left and ETH on the right, right? So you've got a pool. So 100 grand in each, for example, right? So you've got 100 grand worth of Ethereum and 100 grand worth of Bitcoin, right? So then if somebody wants to change Ethereum to Bitcoin, right? They would come in, they would put uh, more Ethereum into the Ethereum side, right? And in exchange, they withdraw exactly the same value of Bitcoin from the other side. So what happened? You've got more Ethereum now in, on one side, so quantity-wise, right? Therefore, its price will drop slightly, and then you've got less Bitcoin on the other side quantity-wise. 
therefore mm. its price per unit will increase. So what they call this is called an uh, automatic market maker, where essentially you pull the funds together and then you kind of go in and replenish the pool with your funds and then withdraw the funds that you want to exchange for. And that is effectively what what forms the basis of liquidity mining. Because for each one of those, uh, the protocol that you, that uh, allows that to happen uh, collects the fees. And that's where you get the yields as well. So that's that's that. So uh, so if I then if I uh, then want to realize any of those gains though, um, yeah, I I either need to buy yeah I need to buy something or I need to switch it back into a regular currency. That's right. So so, and that's 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 where that's where the ATO would would, would kind of get you right. And the thing is, like going on to DeFi at the moment, like there are, it's it's quite amazing what's happening. Basically, like you got a, like you got a very motivated community of guys with crypto that all of a sudden are very rich, right? And uh, and they are, they're rethinking the instruments of uh, finance. And like the my my example, right? I hope I hope that some people actually understood. Um, what I was trying to say, but if they didn't, please Google what AMM is, so Automatic Market Maker. Uh, and this is just one of the things. With with DeFi, you can borrow using it as collateral, using crypto as collateral, what I mentioned before. And in fact, one of the one of the ways uh, to not realize capital gains is in fact, for example, you've got 100 Bitcoins, right? You can, you can uh, lock it up in a protocol, and then you can borrow, say, 50% of its value in US dollars, right? And then you sell these US dollars, and and you got the money to pay for your living expenses, for example, without actually selling it. Therefore, you're not exposed to capital gains tax. So, and there are plays like that that are that are that, that are that are available. Yeah. You know, so so, so, so DeFi DeFi reimagining of, of of traditional sorry uh, reimagining of traditional financial instruments uh, on a different level. I, I just I just want to jump in because. Colga, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. the, the whole notion of uh, automatic market makers or, or just market makers is really, really, to me at least, ba based on my background, super interesting. And, and to that end, I actually wanted to ask Sergey if he'd, if he'd heard of or if he knows there's a, there's a company or, or a project, I suppose they're a company, called Swarm Markets who have just been given uh, Baffin licensing, so licensing by the German regulatory body. Yep. To, to do exactly that, and, um, and and it's something that I've sort of been looking at tangentially, and I mean, there's other reasons I looked at it, but it, it, it's it's super interesting. Do, do you know much about them, or can you can you talk to that at all? The thing is, I haven't heard of them, right? But but mm. what it looks like is basically these guys realized that hold on, this is something here, right? Mm. And they trying to bring that kind of uh, the DeFi DeFi equivalent into traditional space, yeah, and which is which is quite epic. Because yeah. the automatic market makers, when you realize what is actually happening there, it's quite awesome. However, saying having said that, it's it's it, like and the reason that people haven't haven't thought of it before, right, or haven't done it before, is because where, for example, to market make in traditional markets, you would need X amount of dollars, right, for any particular pair. But to yeah. market make uh, in uh, in uh, and and you can basically recycle the money, right? So you'd spend X. Like on the buy side, then you go and uh, spend X on the sell side, the price goes up and down, everyone's happy, right? So uh, it's great. But with automatic market maker and liquidity pools, you actually need to fill up like an order book yourself, right, uh, on both sides. Exactly. So that's a very, it's very expensive it is compared to the traditional, traditional market making model. 
and that's why I think it hasn't been done before. But now, mm -hmm. as far as Swarm is concerned, right, uh, they've got a perfect example for any regulator to say, look at this, we've got, we got, you know, like Uniswap, right, which is a project for automatic market maker on Ethereum blockchain, or you've got PancakeSwap, and you would appreciate these names. These geeks come up with awesome names just to take this out of the you know traditional guys. Uh, <laughs> and you got Pancake Swap uh, doing doing like doing this uh, doing this thing in market making. One of them got like you know over uh, I think what something silly over like 17, 17 billion and uh, like in the pools already, right? For any for any crypto out there, right? And the other one is like would go on to five or six or something, and. Uh, then, then it becomes a very, very cool and interesting thing because, because essentially that automatic market maker it 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 keeps the participants honest, right? Yeah. And market makers and market makers in traditional finance have have traditionally been, um, well, you know, like it's it's a, it's a very thin line between market making and market manipulation when you think about it. Mm. Um, so, Sergey, Sergey, but one last question I have to touch on. Um, uh, and then we have to wrap it up. I, I could literally s stay here talking for hours uh, about this stuff. Yeah, but... we got another episode of this one. Yeah, we do. Mm. Um, look, um, uh, just quickly, central banks, right, in, including the ECB, yep. um, but also people, People's Bank of China, um, are talking in meaningful terms. They're doing a lot of research uh, and putting in place uh, the foundations for issuing of digital currencies, right? So yeah, yeah, um, CBDC, central bank digital currencies. Um, what would be the implications, do you think, for um, cryptocurrencies like uh, uh, like Bitcoin and and the rest, um, if this was to go ahead? Uh, I think I think it's a good thing, right? And I'll explain why. Because uh, Bitcoin and crypto traditionally, in our age, where cash is no longer king, right? Like physical cash is no longer king. People need an alternative. People need some sort of you know, like some sort of uh, uh, surety that, oh, they transact and the government doesn't really see it, or, you know, like you, you just need something to put under your pillow. You know, that's why people like gold and stuff. And I mean, crypto provides that of sorts. Uh, who should be getting worried with the introduction of CBDCs um, are the commercial banks, right? If we talk about Australia, then the guys like, uh, like any, any of the big four should start getting worried. And I'll explain why. Because with CBDC, what it does, right, it allows the government to literally make uh, value or dollars or central bank digital currency appear in people's wallet instantaneously, instant, like instantly. Sorry, uh, and what and and what what like to give to 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 put things in perspective is this. So we had COVID for the past year and a half, right, and uh, like part of the government's plan to get rid of COVID was uh, you know helping the businesses. And uh, and injecting money in the economy, so like like starting from, for example, guaranteeing some of the loans, right, and uh, ending up with like you know just throwing people thousand dollars here and there, and the job keeper and everything. And uh, the pro one of the problems with that was that the Reserve Bank instructs uh, the big four to say, okay, from now on, fifty percent of the loans that businesses take is guaranteed, right? And please, uh, here's the money, right? Or and please distribute it to the businesses. Now, if you're a business in Australia trying to claim that, that is actually very, very difficult to do, right? And the banks scrutinize your business at times of COVID really bad. And what happens is a lot of the money that the government throws to the banks to distribute to people to prop up the economy actually stays in the banks. 
because uh, like banks have different like, banks have uh, a definite a definite uh, like they, they have a definite motivation to make sure that they they sit on as much money as possible so they don't go tits up and they get the bonuses right uh, and with CBDC, what will happen is basically by the touch of a button, the government will just distribute, like you know, uh, all the money that it wants to prop up the economy in an instant, making the money flow in the economy a lot quicker, uh, and thereby actually, like like uh, reducing the friction uh, by re- reducing the need for the commercial banks. Like it's it's a very it's a very fun road to go to, you know, as far as the imagination is concerned, right? And start thinking, what like if that if the if the speed of money distribution uh, increases that much, it just opens up a whole Pandora's box of 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 everything that that will improve. Yeah, and, because uh, as and, we as we've talked about a lot on this show in various forms, there are a lot of ways for banks to make money by holding it for ah, yeah. even short periods of time. Yeah. Hmm. That's right, and that's what's happening. And like, and there will not be a need for such for for for, for these banks. I mean, obviously, politically, it's a very bold move because I mean, you know, the banking sector in Australia employs a shitload of people, right? And uh, you really don't want uh, everyone to lose a job at the same time. But uh, from the effectiveness point of view, well, this is next level. Yeah. And this is and this is and this is what and this is like that's that's who should start getting worried. And they start opening up the checkbooks and start and start, um, you know, lubricating and massaging all those legislators uh, and start buying them. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, getaways. Oh, well, we can't go anywhere. So I guess I guess that level of corruption won't happen. Huh. That was a joke. I just wanted to finish. <laughs> yeah. the, the, uh, it's business. I just wanted to finish. Fun note. Good enough. Yeah, this has been an absolutely <laughs> fascinating. Uh, chat Sergey uh, we have to get you back on um, at some point before the end of the year and pick it up again uh, thank you for taking all of my um, all of my uh, grumbling questions um, as well um, don't forget to hit subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcast rate us five stars tell your friends post glowing stuff about us on social media etc this show is brought to you by open trader for professional traders and those who want to invest like a pro from only five dollars per trade uh, been joined by uh, James Whelan of VFS Group. James, thanks very much. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Sergey, mate. I will. Uh, I'll catch up with you soon. This was fantastic. Look forward to having you again. Thank you, mate. Uh, and Ken Vexler in Amsterdam. Uh, and actually, maybe uh, Ken, you guys want to say goodbye to each other in Russian or something? <laughs> well, we can. Спасибо, Сергей, за за время, за за присутствие. Очень благодарен и надеюсь, скоро это опять можем повторить. Да, спасибо большое, Кен. Приятно было знакомиться. Всем привет. So that was, yeah, that was that was really funny. We just basically said uh, goodbye to everyone and, and nice to meet everyone. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you did. We're going to run that through the Google Translator. I know. Yeah. Well, this is this is Ken Vexler we're talking about. There was definitely a very complimentary towards very complimentary towards, and we managed to congratulations, Paul. Mate, we managed to get through the entire show without you telling us how you uh, how you and Sergey met. So uh, you know, not too bad. (laughs) Where did you meet? Sorry, no. Where did you meet? No, 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 no. Where did you meet? No, I'm not saying it. Just like the chicken story. I'm not. I'm not telling the chicken story. Next time you said. You said you said we're gonna be we're gonna we're gonna do another one before the end of the year, so I reckon we should save it for that. Yeah, let's save it. Oh, for that. Save, save it up for that one. Thanks yeah. a lot, guys. It's a good story. Okay. Thank you, guys. Um, you can find us on Facebook under the Bip Show. We're on Twitter. It's at the Bip underscore 
show um and uh we're all on twitter individually too james willem 42 ken vexler and sv sergienko uh sergey's on there uh he's got um great channels great content uh and obviously a very smart guy again don't forget to subscribe ready to leave a review uh and we're on itunes wherever you get your podcasts james has a website which is now hosting all the extras uh, that we can't get onto the show including a few trades and positions that folks might want to have a look at um uh, so that's wheel uh, capital um and follow the links to the bit show the show is produced by rick salter i'm paul colgan we'll catch you next time thanks for planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like european linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.